Connie is back with a new album titled Art Dealers. We caught up with Adam Wiener, who was home in South Philly, to talk about a record that he describes as all kink and no shame. But first we want to know, what is Adam's favorite record in his impressive collection? My favorite record? Yep. Do you mean my favorite record that I own? Like yes. Possession? Yep. Wow. Well, Marty, I have a very extensive collection of old blues records. So I have a lot of different records of different genres, and I organize things by genre. But um, I've got, let's see, I've got some real prized possessions in my blues collection. Oh, cool. So I've got like some first original first pressings of uh, Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. I have I have a John Lee Hooker first pressing mono. Yep. Um, I've got a whole lot of um, early country blues. Um Mississippi, John Hurt, Charlie Patton, Skip Ooh. James. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I collect a lot of that stuff. Um, nice. So, yeah, it's hard to pick just one. But um, if if you ever came over my house in Philly and you went through <laughs> my records, you'd be impressed because sure. I have little niche categories that I sort of specialize in. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. All right. So we're going to add your art dealers record to that collection. Uh, yeah, I already have a copy. Um, yeah. Believe it or not, this is the first time ever that the records came like a month early. Right. So we actually started selling them in record stores here before the album is out because the album isn't out till September 8th. Right, right. A week away. Or and um, it sounds fantastic. I'm so happy with how this one turned out. Yay. So from what I've read, I read a description that the record is all kink and no shame. Uh, <laughs> elaborate, please, because that's a good jumping off point, right? Well, you know, like coming out of the pandemic, it's kind of like, you know, whatever fucks I had left to give, they're gone. All right. <laughs> you know, life is too short. Life yeah. is too short. You got to squeeze every drop out of that lemon that you can. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. Uh, we made this record very quickly and the spirit of the music and the characters uh, relates a lot to the 1970s and this period of, you know, sleaze, debauchery and artistic triumph. That's how I'll put it. OK, um, whether you're talking about music, film, fashion, visual art, uh you know, all these different artistic movements that were happening in the 70s that were often in the shadow of economic depression, yep. um, oppression from different, uh, whether it be because of gender, uh, sexual orientation, race, um demographic changes whatever it was there was so much blight and tension and malfeasance in the 70s and so much great art happening at the same time yep, yep. And I really wanted to focus and capture that energy of people that just live a very fast life they live an art life and um 
they just absolutely go for it. Yep. 100% swing for the fences with what they do. And they pay the price later in life if they make it to late yep. in life. And I've, I've met a lot of people over the years who were around for these amazing art movements in the 70s. And their circumstances today are rather unfortunate. They don't have any money. No one remembers them. Their era has passed. And yet their stories of that time period are filled with so much passion and right. very little regret. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, and and speaking of that, uh, I believe Lou Reed is kind of overseeing this record as well. <laughs> speaking of, I've, Lou has always been my hero, right? But this is the first time that I did a whole album on a, and and when I finished, I said, "God damn, it's like it's like Lou was sitting on my shoulder the whole time." Yeah, because. I was going places with the songs and with the music and the characters and the writing that a younger version of myself would have been too afraid to go there. Uh -huh. um, whether it be in terms of the gender dynamics, the politics, just the honesty of it. Um, and Lou is the, probably the, the most fearless songwriter that I know of. Mm-hmm absolutely just did what he felt he said what he wanted yep and um it still shocks a lot of his music still shocking to me um i was listening to the new york record the other day and thinking oh, yeah. this is an album from almost 40 years ago where he's talking about uh trump he's talking about giuliani and what they're doing to new york city he's talking about um, mass shootings and gun control. He's talking about abortion rights and the rise of the Christian uh, right with Pat Robertson. He's talking about environmental crises and um, the extinction of, of certain animal species. He's talking about bigotry um, rising in the United States. He's talking about all these things that are absolutely right on the edge of what we're dealing with right now yep yep he was talking about it then yep he was talking about the changes that were happening in new york city then that we are becoming aware of now gotcha was, yeah that was lou he was right on the edge always yeah and of course uh you mentioned politics uh, with with lou you were uh, you've done some joe biden support gigs and all that how are things Looking, how are you feeling about it all at the moment? It seems from the outside, it just seems totally bizarre. The American political well, truth, truth <laughs> is stranger. Truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah, um, I was asked to perform for the inauguration, the Biden inauguration. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't mind saying that if there's another Biden inauguration, I'd be happy to perform at that. I hope we make it to that. Yep. Um, going to be a it's going to be an awful awful um next year as we navigate the toxicity of this election season that we're now in yep. um i think there are changes happening in the united states that um that we americans don't see when i travel overseas i was in europe on tour in germany um 
they have a better perspective on what's happening in the United States than we do. Yep. I think that um, other countries, European countries have all dealt with fascism. They have a history um, with fascism, most of Europe. And how they relate to fascism now is because of their history, mm-hmm. right? And in the United States, this is our first boogie with fascism. And um, we don't have a frame of reference. We're unfortunately going to learn lessons the hard way. Yeah. And that is the process we're, we're in. And unfortunately, as history shows us, um, things have to play out. Things have to play out. Um, and so, unfortunately, some of the worst political developments in our country are happening now and and they're going to play out right right. i'll I'll be on the trying to hold the line for democracy and for a lot of hard hard won fights that have happened over the the the, the last century right um just to hope that we don't roll backwards too far gotcha all right you were kind of leading me into this whips and chains tune that you have on a record, which is, yeah. I think it's my favorite track on the record because it's a rocker, kind of garage rocker, but it's also politically charged as well. We play it at every show now. Right. And um, what can I say? I mean, we're talking about issues, political issues in the United States. But the truth is, you know, there there are there are issues, societal issues, political issues that are as old as time, as old as society, you know, that go back millennia. There's always going to be a struggle uh for underclasses there's always going to be economic disparity there's always going to be different levers of of control and power um there's always going to be a putin on the global stage unfortunately yeah right um and so uh, you know when you talk about songwriting and you talk about what how different people write songs. I look at a songwriter like Bob Marley. Bob Marley wrote songs uh, um, in the 1970s. 50 years ago, he was writing songs, recording songs. And Marty, you can go anywhere in the world. You can go all over the world, especially the third world. Yep. And you're going to hear Bob Marley songs now. Well, he's huge here in New Zealand. He he performed here, I think, in 79 or 80 or somewhere along that. And it it's still talked about every day here. I mean, I, I think like the second honestly, coming. <laughs> I, I, you may disagree. It's an argument that we could have. But okay. I believe 
that Bob Marley on paper is the biggest artist in the world. Because, I don't mean the biggest pop artist. Yep. I don't mean the most sold or the most radio, but Bob Marley is, I think, re resonates in the most countries in the world. Right. Because you can go to Africa, you can go to Asia, you can go to the, you know, uh, Pacific Islands, you can go to South America, Central America, you're going to hear Bob Marley, you're going to see his face and you're going to hear his songs because yep. he wrote about, you know, struggles that are, unfortunately, will always exist with humanity. Yep. And so with Whips and Chains, it's a song that maybe is specific to this time and place, but I'm really talking about issues that have been going on since the beginning of time and will continue to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. Now, musically, uh, uh, this one, like I said, Whips and Chains is kind of a rocker, psychedelic <clears throat> garage band thing. There's all sorts of styles on the record. Uh, one of the styles I liked is uh, Are You Gonna Run, which had, to me, kind of had this girl group kind of vibe to it, early 60s kind of thing happening. Well, you nailed it because <laughs> no, I, 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 I had Ronnie Spector in mind for the right. song. I really wanted to hear Ronnie sing that song. Yeah. Well, you move away, I start getting old. Are you gonna run? Are you gonna run from the baby? Yeah. I I think that that song, you know, it, 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 it in its inception was for a woman to sing, and for a certain an older woman to sing, who's been through all kinds of shit. And Ronnie had this girl this girlish voice but she had a world weariness to her voice right. yep a, you know she was a tough girl and you could hear that she'd been through some shit in her life and i wanted ronnie to sing it but we we didn't get to her in time and then like a lot of songs i write where i i think of a female voice in mind then i have to say can i do this this song justice and so I took a swing at it myself and it, it, it uh, I, I, it's been amazing to have people come up to me all summer. Cause it's, we actually got onto the charts with the song this summer cool. in the U S um, it's been amazing all summer to have people come up to me and say, you're singing my song with that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's something very simple in the song that has resonated with a lot of people. Um, and I don't know what the nerve is that I'm touching, but it's men and women. It's older people who have been through a lot um, and are worried about where they're headed. And it's also young people. Um, I done, I did an event on a college campus a few months ago and these young college kids told me how much they loved. Are you going to run? And I never thought I would put out, you know, a ballad like that and that it, it would resonate in that way, but it's been nice. Yeah. 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 So this change that's kind of come over you, is it because of your age? Is it because of things that, you know, like being uh, locked down? What, what do you kind of attribute this kind of thing to? <laughs> well, 
I think that I'm just uh, evolving with my art and I'm becoming truer to myself because when you're younger, Marty, you, 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 uh, you're more self-conscious and you try to be cool and you try this pose and you try to imitate that person. And if I do that, maybe I'll be popular. And if I, it wouldn't be cool to sound like this. And you're trying on different personas and different hats and different voices and postures. And as you get older, for me, you just become truer to yourself. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is that a lot of these songs on Art Dealers started when I was in my 20s, but I didn't have the maturity yet to finish them or see it through. Um, I worked uh, playing piano in a lot of gay bars in my 20s. Right. And this the song, a lot of songs came out of that, but the song Wonderful Boy that's on this album came out of that time. And uh -huh. I never would have put that song out in the early days of Low Cut Connie when we were perceived as this kind of um, butch party band, you know? Right. And yeah. over the years, people have realized that I that was a very narrow uh definition of of me and my music and I've um tried to expand and let people try to roll with me and and a lot of people have cool cool yeah now another track I wanted to touch on which is piano based is uh take me to the place which is kind of the lengthiest tune on the on the album and it's track eight out of 13 so it's in the middle is it kind of the centerpiece for you where can we go my love to get away be classy for a little while we could change the menu every day There is some kind of uh, cathartic thing with that song. I, 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 um, I had Grace Jones in mind with that song. You know, again, I'm often writing with a female voice in mind. Right. Then it has a very interesting effect when I switch it back to my own voice. If you know what I mean. Yep. And um, there's something with the there's something about what I was trying to explore with the album that's like the decadence of the period, but there's there's such a streak of sadness and alienation in it too. If you if you see the film Paris is Burning, all about the the drag ball scene in Harlem in the early 80s, as um the city is changing, HIV is rising, and um you know you'll see this beautiful kind of decadent pageantry of the drag scene married to absolutely depressing circumstances for these people right. um homelessness hiv and um extreme poverty and so i i try to capture that dichotomy in that particular song mm. now you mentioned a film you've made a you've got like a full-length film that is a companion piece to the record right that's yeah we made 
you made an art dealer's film and I'm very happy to say that it's going to premiere at the Richmond International Film Festival at the end of September. Uh, it's going to be screening at the Sound Unseen Festival in Minneapolis later this fall. And we're getting amazing feedback on this film. You know, essentially it is a concert film, a performance art piece. But we've shown it to a lot of people outside of the music industry and everybody seems to love this film. Cool. It's kind of in the spirit of talk of the talking heads film. Stop making sense. Right. Which is a concert film, but, but so no. much more. <laughs> yeah. And you don't necessarily have to have known the talking heads catalog to, to love that film. Um, so we kind of crafted art dealers in in the spirit of that. And um, I'm so blown away that we've been accepted to these film festivals and that there's so many people in film world that are responding to it. Right. It won't be out to the public, though, till 2024. OK, well, we'll just have to wait and see. So how much what did you do other than you appear, obviously, in the film? It's uh, you, did you have anything to do with the direction? The, the Yeah. I co-directed this film with a wonderful filmmaker called named Roy Power. Uh, and we shot three nights, three shows in New York City uh, in 2022. Um, three beautiful shows, two at the Blue Note and one at Sony Hall, which is this beautiful, decadent old Broadway theater. And then we went back and that was surround sound and... 10 cameras it was in a, just an amazing capture of the energy of our shows but then we went back through 15 years of live performance footage going all the way back to before low cut connie when i was touring these dive bars and gay bars all over the u.s and we peppered in this backstory of seeing these different crowds and these different people that I was performing for, for 15 years and how it evolved. Very nice. Very nice. So, and, and you mentioned the blue note, you're doing a, a, a you're having a stand at the blue note in, in Manhattan. What the heck? I know <laughs> they, that they, that they would invite such a sleazy rock and roll band to play at the blue note. It's so strange, but we're doing six shows two shows a night september 18 19 and 20 and each show marty will have a will feature a tribute to lou reed oh cool. and we're gonna have special guests including michael imperioli right from from the sopranos and white lotus and my friend craig finn from the hold steady right and and other guests that will will be doing these tributes to lou in the middle of the show it's going to be a smash cool do something from street hassle that's my favorite album <laughs> i love street hassle i am not going to tell you what we're doing sure but we're, we are doing something from street hassle all right man i wish i could be there i'll send a, a an envoy <laughs> i have a friend of mine who's around the corner you know she might show up in fact i'm sure she will <laughs> Excellent. All righty. And, well, and you still need to come down to New Zealand and do all this for us. That would be kind of cool. You know what? Um, it's time. We got to make it. Happen. <laughs> if, if there's somebody down there with the good sense to bring us down, all right. I'm there. You let me know if, if there's I will. something crazy enough to make it happen. We've had a 
couple of really nice offers for Australia. Okay, we can, well, that's good. We can pair them together, introduce New Zealand to what Low Cut Connie does, um, which I think would be fantastic. I think the people down there would really like what we do. Yep. Uh, I'd be interested to find out. Okay, well, let's make it happen. Very good. I will let you go. Uh, have fun on release day. R rock on. And you're the man. <laughs> no, no, you're the man. <laughs>